Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... Time out. With those two words, Zach Morris stole the continuity of the show and, dare I say, our hearts. Uh, today we are revisiting a uh, a syndication classic, Saved by the Bell. Uh, and I'm not doing it alone. I've got someone here with me. She is a former casting director at turned branding strategist and video coach. She's also the host of the Daily Dose of Donna podcast. Uh, please give a big Bayside cheer. To Donna Bowling. <laughs> I wish I had the the sound effects. I wish I had some when I wake up in the morning and oh, da, da, da. you know, like the theme song. Oh, don't worry. It was. It, I'll edit that in before this. We'll Everyone work something in. in oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you forgot to um, put that I am a Say by the Bell enthusiast in my in my bio. That's my bio. Well, cl- well, clearly. Yeah, I you know usually when I have a guest on the show, it's because they are you know, really interested. And nostalgic for the subject matter. Uh, so since you picked this one, I want to hear what it is that uh, has made you so enthusiastic all these years later for Saved by the Bell. So it's so funny because like, you know, I could talk about a bunch of things I'm nostalgic for. I think anyone that was an 80s or 90s kid, like I was born in 81. This I, I am all about seeing, you know, toys that we grew up in the time or TV shows or movies. But Say by the Bell has a special place in the heart in my heart for me because I was a, you know, part of my story is the fact that I grew up with two parents, really, my single mom and my TV. And my TV was like my best friend. I would wake up in the morning and watch TV before school. I would watch TV after school. I would watch TV all weekend long. Like I had a working mom and so she was, you know, she wasn't home a lot. And Say by the Bell just was one of those standout shows that really was the start of my weekend, every Saturday morning, would wake up, turn on. I wish I remember what channel it was here in Los Angeles. And I want to say it was an NBC. No, well, I think it was an NBC show. Like, I really do think it was – because I remember they had, like, the more you know. Remember those, like um, – yeah, I really think it was NBC. Um, and I would watch Say by the Bell every single Saturday morning. Say by the Bell in California Dreams and a couple other shows. But Say by the Bell – to me was so just aspirational. It was exactly like I wanted to be in Saved by the Bell. I, I thought I was. I was I was very much enamored. That in Beverly Hills 9 and 2 but Saved by the Bell always 
just always inched up a little more. What do you think it was about the show that made it so special for you? Um, I think it was e- an easy watch. It never really hit on super hard, like tough topics. So it was a lighthearted, fun show for the most part. And I wanted to date the guys and I wanted to be the girls. So it just like really hit at all. You know, at that age, you know, just say when I was 10 or whatever, we were boy crazy. Girls were boy crazy. And I would have pictures all over my bedroom wall, like straight out of the the kids, mag- the teen magazines, the teeny bopper magazines. And I would put pictures like it was all the guys from 90210 and it was all the guys from Say by the Bell. And when I say all the guys, let's be honest, Screech was not on my wall. You have to know. Oh, no, not. Oh, you left him out. I still don't think he'd be on my wall. I love a geek. You left Mr. Belding off your wall, too. Mr. Belding. I have a good Mr. Belding story, I'll tell you in a second. All right, we'll we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, remember to ask me. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with Zach Morris. Obsessed. I thought he was literally just the most perfect specimen of a human being. I thought he was so cool, but I wanted to be Kelly Kapowski. So like I was Zach and Kelly, I was in that relationship. Like I was the throuple. They didn't know I existed, but I was there. That show definitely like had this way of feeling absorbing. Like it as, even though it was in this very obviously presentational sitcom style uh, very prevalent back then in the late 80s and early 90s, it had this feeling of like, oh, well, when I watch this show, I'm on a ride with them. Like, I'm with this cast rather than just looking at them. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about that show that did that because it's the same three-camera sitcom structure yeah. that everybody used back then. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to start by asking, uh, you know, my, my basically my nostalgic memories, by the way, are pretty much the same as yours with the genders reversed. Mm. Um, you know, I, I didn't have all the stuff on my wall, but like when I watched the show, it was like, yeah, uh, I want to, I want to be Zach Morris right? and I want to be Kelly Kapowski. You know, it's, it's the exact same thing. And I think that's probably why the show has such a universal appeal in a way, because no matter who you were, the show kind of gave you somebody to relate to and yep. to you know want to be like or with. Well, um, it was also such yeah. like a, it was such an Id- idyllic, like high school experience, you know, as someone that wasn't in high school. I'm sure if I was in high school at the time, I probably would have thought it was pretty cheesy and lame. But being that I was in elementary school, I would look up to it as like, this is a dream, right? You've got the popular kids. You've got like, remember the the nerds, quote unquote, literally they were called the nerds and they had pocket protectors and like pens and like, you know, glasses holding their, their, I mean, tape holding their glasses. Yeah, they were like, if you go to the Spirit Halloween store and get like nerd costume, that's what they dress them like. A hundred percent. They, I mean, number one, this was back in the nineties where you absolutely could not offend people with stuff like that. It just wasn't a thing. Like, I don't know if you could get away with that now. There, there you are. Well, there's stuff on this show that has not aged well. I'll put that out there. But I am um, sure of it. So yeah. much of it. But at the time, it felt so. It felt so kind of um, innocent, right? Like making fun of the nerds. And then there was the jocks. And then there was like the goofy principal and the annoying, crazy teachers that everyone always was able to kind of like pull one under. Um, They also had the Max. The Max was the restaurant that they would go to every single day for for snacks or for lunch or for dinner or whatever. 
they had their dance performances there and this and the school events and like it's almost like you immediately are disappointed when you go to your own high school <laughs> you're like this place sucks <laughs> you know it's a little bit like uh this is what a junior high kid's idea of what high school is yeah it's probably why it worked for we're both about the same age it's probably yeah. why it worked and I thought about like, what's some other, like, there's lots of teen high school media that comes before this and comes after. And I was thinking like, well, you look at something like the breakfast club, mm-hmm. which also deals with like different um, cliques and different types of kids. But the, the thesis behind the breakfast club is yeah, life is going to hit you real hard in the face. Yeah. So, you know, appreciate what you've got and try to bond over what keeps you in common rather than these differences. But it's, it's a much darker uh, flavor and this is like no 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 this is all light and fluffy this is yeah. that that stuff is all removed for say by the bell yeah i think that that was what was nice about it like i still to this day like feel good shows you know if you struggle having if you're like having a hard time falling asleep or whatever now i also watch real housewives of miami where they're like throwing things at each other but it still feels light it doesn't feel real it doesn't feel deep it doesn't feel like the other day my husband asked me if i wanted to watch the the documentary on netflix about the murdoch case like the murdoch mysteries that's like big in the media right now and I told him, I was like, I can't watch that right before bed. Like, I want to sleep tonight. So I think Say by the Bell always just kind of was literally, it was shot and and produced in such a light, bright way. Like, anything about a multi-camera sitcom, but especially one with, like, fluorescent lighting, <laughs> like you're in a school. Mm-hmm. Everything was bright. Everything was pretty. Everything was, um, you know, the music. Like, this, the opening sequence even felt so just, like, fun, Right. I think um, their bedrooms, Zach Morris's cell phone, like I remember all these little things um, that just kind of, it was, I think it's aspirational. I think that's the feeling. It wasn't like there's all, uh, even Full House, right? Which was also one of my shows that I was obsessed with growing up. And I went to see the taping like multiple times as a kid. Even that show was still like heavy. Right. There was like you knew that the mom died and you knew that there was like drama with the friends and the kids. And even say by the bell when they dealt with heavy issues like the drug addiction of um Jesse Spano. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Like <laughs> even when they dealt with that, it still never felt that bad. <laughs> it was always like it wrapped up in a bow. Yeah. It's it's safe, even by I think sitcom standards. And you you mentioned full house, I think. Full House tonally is fairly similar to yep. this yeah, uh, with a different setting. But yeah, again, very light, very like, this is reassuring television to watch. Absolutely. It is a, yeah, it's a safe place where nothing real serious is going to happen. And you'll have a lighthearted good time and feel good after 22 minutes. Totally. Um, yeah. Now, did you ever watch the series that spawned it, Good Morning, Miss Bliss? I have watched Good Morning, Miss Bliss. I I believe my guess is that that was my intro into Say by the Bell because it was probably on before. Um, but it was it, it might as well be a different show. Um, total right. different vibe and energy and much more kind of like family show. I don't know how to explain it. It was not for me. Yeah, it's interesting. So the, the, the show was originally created, this Good Morning, Miss Bliss show. It shares... I think three or four of the characters you've got Zach, Lisa Turtle, Screech, and Mr. Belding, I think are all on that show. Yeah. And it wasn't working. They retooled it into what became saved by the bell. And 
I remember encountering it because they, it, once Saved by the Bell was a hit, they'd repackage it as like Saved by the Bell, the junior high school years. And uh, my my memory is that like I'd watch this and go, oh, that's weird. Um, where's all the, where are all these characters and, and what's happening? It, it just felt like, Oh, they repackaged good morning, yeah. miss bliss as the junior mm-hmm. high. Oh, I didn't yeah. I just remember watching like, here's an episode of saved by the bell. And I'm like, the hell you say this. Is well, that would actually bell. bother me so much. And I remember that so well, because you know, there was no DVRs. There was no ability to kind of choose your episode that you wanted to watch like now. And so I would just literally turn on the TV and, and you would be so, like you kind of, it was like luck of the draw. Like which episode do I get right now? And it's still sometimes, sometimes I'll see it's on TV and I'll go to it and it'll be an episode that I either love or like really, you know, didn't like. And I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not going to watch it. But every time it was a Miss Bliss episode, I turned it off. I was like, no, <laughs> there's other things I can watch. Yeah. It's not right. Like something is off about it. it, it yeah. It feels like off brand. And there's no, the like movie. no one talks about it. That was the weirdest part about it too, is that. And there was another thing that I thought was really weird, and I wonder if you're going to get to that, when Tori mm. comes in a little bit later, I don't know if you remember that, that they had like literally two senior years of Say by the Bell. Like, okay, so, th- so there was a couple things about Say by the Bell that were so confusing. Now, if this aired now for the first time, there would be TikToks about it, there would be YouTubes about it, there would be articles, there would be blogs, like people would have an idea, or like the creators would do interviews. We would know why things were shifting. But because we didn't even understand that there could be something where you could like search, right? You just watched what was on TV. We had the TV guidebook and like, that's it. It was so confusing to me because what happened was, so they had Miss Bliss, that show. Then they just started Say by the Bell and never really discussed or talked about Miss Bliss or like made, I mean, she was, I think, in the show. Wasn't she in the show, Say by the Bell or no? Was she never in the show? I can't no, remember. She was never in the show. They never she was put played her. By Haley, yeah. She was played Haley, by Haley Mills from the Haley Harry, Mills Parent from Parent Trap. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's gone after that first season they did. So they never even talked about her. Yeah. So it was almost like they, it was a forgotten show. Like they never even approached talking about Miss Bliss. So it was a little weird. Then. And it's a different setting. Like the, the, the uh, goodbye or good morning, Miss Bliss takes place, I think, in Indianapolis. Oh, like uh, a full new city. It's a completely different city. And I don't think there's any explanation as to why four of these characters simultaneously moved to Southern California. And the principal. And the, right, including the principal. Was it a different with. set? I don't remember how the set looked, but I'm sure they redesigned it a little bit because it's at least meant to be high school and say by the bell and not junior high. I'm going to have to like YouTube this and figure it out. But I think, you know, what I thought was so weird about say by the bell was that you know, a few years go by and I don't have the timing correct in terms of how many seasons there were, or how many years or whatever, but a couple of years go by and then all of a sudden they graduate. Like it's the graduation. So Kelly's gone. Jesse's gone. Maybe. No, maybe Jesse was still there. I know Kelly was gone. And then all of a sudden, remember, Tori came in. Now, I don't know if you remember Tori, mm-hmm. but Tori ended up being she had really curly hair and she had a motorcycle and she was on the motorcycle. I'm going to try to find, I ended up auditioning her a bunch when I, um, when I became an, a casting director later, hmm. which I thought was just the coolest thing. And, you know, we talked about it a bunch, but essentially what happened was either, and now I need to do a deep dive, but either Tiffany Amber Thiessen decided to leave or they decided to like repick the show up for one final season. 
and Tiffany didn't re-sign on, something along those lines. And then they redid another senior year with Tori, who ended up coming in. And she was like, for me, she was the character that kind of almost is like the jump the shark season. You know, they always have those in, in shows. For me, it was like, if you watch 920, it was Emily Valentine for me, like, came in and she was dating Zach all of a sudden. And she was so not a Kelly. She was so, so much more like tomboy butch and not aspirational to me. Like I didn't want to be Tori. I wanted to be Kelly. And so I thought that that kind of like was the beginning of the end. And then of course they did the college years. And they went to Hawaii and everything else. Oh, I mean, wait, 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 wait. There was a couple episodes that I will know. There are standout episodes of Save by the Bell. I'm curious. Okay, what sure. Yeah. Tell I'm me ready. what some of your favorites are. Okay. By far the Palm Springs episode when they go for, I think it's Jesse's dad's wedding and they stay at the Palm Desert um, Marriott where I've stayed so many times and I stayed so many times as a kid. So I always thought it was so cool because they were like shooting on location. You could see the places that I had actually been to in the lobby with the boat going through the water or whatever. And I was like, this is so cool because I've been there. Then the episode of the Zach attack, which was the band. And that's the episode where Casey Kasem <laughs> – Famed DJ comes in and either Zach falls asleep. Like you don't know what's a dream until the end. I think I'm pretty. It's like sure. a behind the music thing almost. It was like a behind the music thing on the Zach Attack, a fake band that I guess they had just kind of started, and it it was essentially like you know a life of this band that like fell apart. But Zach and Kelly, the love story and the songs, the friends forever. Um, the, um, there's that one main song. Now I feel like I need to like search it, but it was Zach's, it was Zach and Kelly like singing to each other. I bought the music. I bought the CDs. Like I bought it all. I was so, so invested in Zach Attack, like the band. I thought it was such a great thing. So those two episodes always stick out to me. And then of course Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii was good too. It it went a little funky. It like it went out there. I mean, I think the truth is, I think the producers were like, "We have a goldmine. Let's try to do anything we can with the show." Sure. Yeah. I mean, this show really does have all the hallmarks of you know a sitcom that's built for syndication which doesn't really exist anymore the way it used to kids no. but in the old days the goal was if you keep a show on long enough it would get what's called syndicated which meant you could now rerun it ad infinitum is that 100 episodes i can't remember well i don't remember what the 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 target is but um you know it, it's you think of a show like you know seinfeld for example is a good example that was yeah. just it hit, they friends. hit that number and friends. That was the ultimate goal was to hit syndication because then they could re-air the thing over and over again. And it would just, you know, be a funnel of money that came in. Yeah. And, uh, 
if that would so when you were talking about oh i think it's an nbc show it's like it was produced by nbc this was you know one of things something yet another show that brandon Tartikoff tartikoff waved a magic mm-hmm. wand and it happened um but you know after that again like everywhere you know just I, like you talk about what's your favorite episode it's almost hard for me to remember one because i've seen so much of the show because yeah. it was just always there when you turn on the tv it's like oh say by the bell is on again yeah well you know? because now I, I just did some research here so they had 14 episodes of miss bliss then they had 86 episodes of say by the bell from august 20th 1989 to may 22nd 1993 and then they went to say by the bell the college years which was 19 episodes only. That was from 1993 to 94. And then, do you remember Say by the Bell, the new class? I know they did it. I didn't watch it. No. I felt like it was, I mean, I, I'm, I watched it, but I never watched it. Like, I, if it was on TV, I would watch it. And I remember Natalia Sigliuti, who's one of the actresses in it. She was like that. She was the Kelly Kapowski of the new class. She also, she came in and auditioned a bunch with me. And I was like, I just couldn't get enough. Like I wanted to ask all the questions, but it wasn't the same. It never had that same kind of feeling that the original cast did, right? It's hard to recreate lightning in a bottle. It just, you know, it's it's very, very hard to do. You know, the same way if you, you pick any sitcom and go like, well, we're going to do Friends, the, you know, the New Year's, and we're going to get six more actors yeah. to just be people. And you go like, well, you could do it. But I mean, basically, if you have writers and six compelling people, you're going to have a show. And if you don't, you don't. Slapping this familiar logo on top of it is not going to make a difference one way or the other. Although, I mean, the new class lasted seven years. So like technically, that's longer than the original Say by the Bell. Right. I I just think, you know, they probably found a new generation of people. I don't think a lot of people stuck through it like and watched it the entire... But then again, like 1994 or whatever, I was already 13. I think I was already kind of moved past that prime age that was obsessed with say by the bell i feel like 10 to 13 was like the key demographic yeah. yeah it is i mean and that's the thing is this show really is geared towards that demographic so once you're out of it you know i i can see you know people like us going back to watch those shows out of nostalgia but they're that's not going to pull you into you know if we're going to make more of them now i mean like well, i don't need new stuff in this world that's not what gets me going with it totally um, yeah. Now, do you have a favorite, any favorite characters out of the seven major characters we got on the show? Like I said, wanted to be Kelly, was obsessed with Zach. I was never a Mario Lo- AC Slater fan. I never understood the appeal. I have a good story about him too. Mm. Um, also, Jesse. I have stories with actually so many of the people on the show. You mean the, the characters or the actors? No, like in real life. Okay. Um, so Jesse Spano, Elizabeth Berkeley, also never really like connected. Um, I was not really into Lisa Turtle. Like I didn't love her personality. I always like thought she was like the annoying one with the money stuff. She was so rich, remember? And then Screech was just annoying to me. It really came down to Kelly and Zach. Like those were my peeps. Yeah, I think for me too. Yeah, again, like you know, Kelly is sort of presented as this platonic ideal, uh, so and it worked. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think you know Zach again. I could identify way more than with Slater. I was never gonna, you know, I was the nerd. I wasn't gonna identify with the jock. Zach was sort of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he know, can like not, relate to both. Yeah, he's not nearly as much of a jock as as Slater is. He's certainly not a nerd. I mean, and Screech is up there with like Steve Urkel as like you know we're gonna make a nerd that's a mega nerd. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I believe Jill, Jaleel White was on uh, Good Morning, Miss Bliss. 
along with I think Jonathan Brandis and maybe one other person, Brian Austin. Wow. Fame. Yeah. So there were some people in there that went on. Yeah, to do they had stuff. some good casting for kids. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I remember even watching this show and going like, I want to be Zach. I'm probably Screech. But, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> but remember yeah. like Screech had Tori Spelling? Screech, what you did for Violet was very romantic. Yeah, Screech. We would have been lost if it wasn't for you. I'm just sorry things aren't going to work out between you and... Violet! And your parents. Young man, we saw you rescue our daughter tonight, and we no longer object to you and Violet seeing each other. Hey, all right. All right, Screech! Samuel, you're welcome at our house anytime. Except for dinner time. Tori Spelling That's was on right. the show. She showed up on the show, yeah. Violet, and she mm-hmm. was like super nerdy too, and so she's dated Screech. That was great casting. Yeah, um, yeah. There was probably so many other people that kind of popped through that that series. I remember, oh, you know, the guy true. that I mean, yeah, the guy that broke um, Kelly and Zach up, Jeff. He was the manager at the Max, which, like, by the way, it's creepy. Yeah, like, how old was he? I think he was a college kid is what they like considered him as, but still not okay. Yeah. I saw a clip uh, when I was, uh, you know, researching for today that was like the school nurse was like really like hitting on Zach. Oh, I'm sure. I'm like, this is like, this is a crime I'm watching. Oh yeah. No, seriously. There was probably so much of that that we watched, right? Where they were like, they had crushes on their teachers and like, we're trying to hook up with the teachers or the teachers like them or, you know, the people that worked at the places and they were in high school. It's like, it's pretty crazy that they aired that. But Patrick Muldoon, the guy who played Jeff, the the guy who broke Kelly and Zach up, he was also one of my favorite actors from Days of Our Lives, which I was also watching at the time, like whenever I was sick or, you know, summer break. And so it was a good little, it, it was like a nice little kind of cr- worlds colliding moment. You know, going back to it now as an adult, like it's very interesting to sort of watch these kids and the way they interact with teachers. Because, like, I did you have any teachers that you were especially close to, or that like inserted themselves into your life? Not like that. Never like that. I was always like a little teacher's pet, though. I always liked my teachers, and they liked me. But I don't remember ever like like being social with them or like pulling pranks on my principal. Like that was the craziest thing ever. Well, yeah, well, Mr. Belding inserts himself into their lives in a way that is upsetting at a, at a certain point. Like you're, you're the school principal and there's like gotta be hundreds of kids at this school. <laughs> you were very, very focused on these six kids. Yeah. I mean, listen, he had, they had to write, and I come from the world of scripted sitcoms, right? So I worked on a bunch of the Disney sitcoms and there's always the teacher. Like you have to have, if it's a school setting, you have to have a teacher or a, or a school pr- principal or like a counselor, just someone like an adult in the school settings. There has to be something. It's not because it's not like it needs to for legal reasons. It's just like it, there has to be some sort of level of risk or, or something at stake. Like you're going to get in trouble or someone's going to find you do these bad things. You know, there needs to be. Right. They're part of the world. Yeah. They're part of the school ecosystem. They should be there. Yeah. And so like Saved by the Bell always had like, you know, I don't know if you remember, they had like Mr. Tuttle. I remember that character. He was like, there was like Mr. Um, There was the guy that was like, um, he was like the actor that, you know, 
was like Bueller, Bueller. He was like really dead in the eyes. He had like no personality and everyone always fell asleep in his classes. There was always like the teachers were a big part of that show too. Yeah, they're definitely there. I, I think they just decided we're going to make Mr. Belding's character big enough to sort of, all, there was an episode where he was like crashing at Zach's house or something like that. It was that odd. is weird. Yeah. So, so should I give you my Dennis Haskins? Oh, sure. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Dennis Haskins was a, um, I believe he passed. I'm pretty yeah, sure he's passed he, away. Yeah. So he was an actor, time. obviously. He was just an actor in Los Angeles, just like any other actor that got lucky and got that job. And when that job was over, as far as I know, he really, I do believe he was in the new class as well. So he had, you know, a good 15 year run or whatever on these shows. But then I think it was over for him. I think he was way too connected to Mr. Belding. I think most people struggled to hire him. I'm sure he got little jobs here and there, but I don't think he ever got anything big enough. And I was working at the time, obviously, in casting. So this was 2003 through 2016. And his agent would pitch him, meaning call us every time we had an adult character role. So like for any teacher, for any, you know, store owner or whatever on these Disney shows. And it was so sad because we always wanted to bring in Mr. Belding. And sometimes we did. He was never good enough. Like he just never nailed it. And producers were like, that's Mr. Belding. Like you can't just put him in as like the shop owner. It's just weird, you know? And um, so then he ended up probably amongst other little gigs hosting this karaoke night at this really, really famous karaoke bar that's no longer there called Dimples in Burbank. So this was literally across the street from the NBC studios, like where he probably shot the show. And now there's a Whole Foods there. But it was like a divey, divey, amazing karaoke spot where there was all these props and like really fun things. And I mean, it was just one of a kind. And he hosted the karaoke nights there. And he was let me just tell you, it didn't feel very appropriate. I'll tell you that. Like it was, it was an interesting experience, like hanging out with him in those kind of experiences. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like that happens sometimes for, for actors from, especially that were made their bones on a show that's this tone that like when they're outside of it, it's like, yay, I get to say curse words now. And, and then they push it, but then it's like, yeah. it either it lands or it doesn't like Bob Saget rest in peace also was so not his Danny Tanner character and was so dirty. And he really like leaned into that when he left the show. Um, And I, from what I've read, like it was really, he didn't want to take the job as Danny Tanner that he didn't want to take the job that really put him on the map because it was so clean, you know? Yeah. And it's tough because you, you know, I mean, you know, in casting, you can get pigeonholed a certain way and it's like, you know, we, we did uh, an episode a few back on Batman, the animated series. And you look at like Mark Hamill, who was so pigeonholed for one thing, all of a sudden transforms himself into something totally different, but not everybody can find that path through. And that certainly happened for Dustin Diamond. Like he, he was, you know, he was screech forever. Um, he couldn't get to- rid of it. He also was on the new class though. So like he really held on to that character forever. And, you know, sadly he also passed away. Um, he struggled with, drinking and and uh substance abuse i'm pretty sure lark Voorhees passed away um, oh that's right yeah i'm pretty sure she did oh no she didn't die <laughs> oh good well, <laughs> sorry. but but, but mm-hmm. i don't think from what i know and maybe i'm wrong i don't believe it was like all positive i think there was like some definite shifts in the 
in the run. Like there was like some substance stuff. There was like some, there was some personal stuff that was not so positive. In general though, yeah, there was like some sad stories I remember. Now I'm saying, Mm -hmm. okay, in general though, I do believe those shows for the most part, like think about what they created. So they created Mario Lopez who is still like kicking it. Like he's doing- Can't get rid of him. (laughs) Can't get rid of him. Also looks the same age. It's shocking. Shocking. Yeah, he's got Paul Rudd disease. Like he doesn't age. It's weird. It's weird. Then there's, um, you know, Mark Paul Gosselaar who I'm pretty sure is still doing stuff all the time, but I don't know what. Yeah, I, I, my understanding is he's busy, but yeah, I, I didn't look at his IMDb page or anything. To, yeah, and to then see. there's Tiffany Amber Thiessen, who she's not as much of an actress, actress, but she's definitely like a personality online. She does; she's married to an actor who I've cast before, so I've spent some time with him, Brady Smith. They have a kid. She's fairly successful. I think she has, you know, she has she's like has products and like she, you know, she makes money online. And then, but everything seems okay. And then there's Elizabeth Berkeley, who I've also spent some time with. I've also spent time with Mario Lopez. I can share that story. But Elizabeth Berkeley is one of my son's besties growing up, like in preschool, was Elizabeth Berkeley's niece because her dad was Elizabeth's brother. So at the birthday parties and stuff, Elizabeth Berkeley would always be there, you know, aunt as the aunt and we got into conversation. I mean, honestly, I've heard some crazy stuff, but she always seemed fairly cool and nice to me. Um, Mario Lopez. So Mario Lopez was shooting a show for Saturday morning TV. This is probably, this is around the college years time. And I believe it was called name your adventure. And I could be wrong, but um, let me see. Mario Lopez. Me. I think I want to say it was called name your adventure. Okay, so it was called Name Your Adventure. It was an American reality series that aired on Saturday mornings during NBC's TNBC's lineup. That's Teen NBC. That's what it was called. So they had – it was Mario Lopez and another guy who I don't even know who, who he is and Tatiana Ali who was from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air were the hosts. And they would find like real kids submissions and go to wherever they were and give them like the adventure of their life. Okay. It was like a first version of, you know, fear factor. And I mean like amazing race or whatever. I don't even know. And so we were at Universal City Walk, my girlfriends and I, and my sister, I was probably 13, 14. And we were, the ages were like four, I was 14. One of my friends was 15. My sister was 16. And my, one of my friends was 17. We were all teens and we were like cute little blonde girls, you know, walking around Universal City Walk. There was no rules. Like our parents would just drop us off for hours all day. And so we see that they're taping Name Your Adventure. He's doing like some of the segments where you're like introing the next segment. And we have no uh, chill about us. So we went over there and started talking to him. And sure enough, my 17 year old friend and him hit it off. And he was not 17. And somehow our phone, her phone number was given to him and he called her and they talked on the phone. I don't know what happened. All I know is we went to go see a dress rehearsal of Say by the Bell, the college years. And when I say a dress rehearsal, I mean, without a live audience, it was on like a Thursday because they usually do the live tapings on Fridays. And it was just us girls. Like we went backstage, we were on set, we got to hang out with them. And, um, and it was a pretty disappointing experience. To be I kept waiting. For, it's funny. I kept waiting for the shoe to drop in yeah. that sort of like. Yeah. And then he, you know, 
uh, Mark Paul Gosselin. Mario was always very sweet, but like he had like a little Mario-ism, if you know what I mean. Like he had that little like, I'm cool. Um, Mark Paul Gosselin. That swagger was real. Yeah. I mean, listen, this guy still to this day has it. Mario Lopez is famously, um, or at least he was before he got married to his most recent wife, like a ladies' man. I mean, definitely, like, he had a famous affair with his first wife. I mean, on his first wife. Like, I think he just definitely got a lot of female attention and had that. Mark Paul Gosselaar was a dick. <laughs> nice. And you know okay. what? Look, I kind of get it. We were teenage girls. He was probably like, this is weird. Leave us alone. And also, why why are you doing this, Mario? Like, this feels so strange. But Mario probably just like thought my friend was hot and wanted to hook up or something. So she, he was like throwing her a bone, you know? Mm-hmm. I have no idea what ended up happening with the two of them. I'm sure something. Like, how could he have just been like, okay, bye? I don't well, know. He, you know, I, when you look like Mario Lopez looks, you know, uh, as I, I can honestly attest to myself, of course, um, <laughs> you just can't keep them off you. So. He was born 73. I was born 81. So, and then my friend was probably born 78. So she was five years younger than him. So he was 22, probably. All right. So j- hopefully just this side of 18. Maybe but... she was 18. Let's just say she was 18. Let's I hope so. 18. <laughs> Before we get accused of saying he committed a No, I don't. I actually don't even think they ever kissed or anything. I really don't. I don't. I feel like I would have known that. We would have died over it. So I really truly think like he just thought she was cute and threw her a bone and said, come and see the taping. But I can see now why, like at the time, I was like, this sucks. Cause you know, when you are so obsessed with someone and then you meet them in real life and you're like, they suck. And, or they're so amazing. And there's celebrities you meet who are just not very nice. And I remember feeling that way. But like, Let's give him the benefit of the doubt because it was, sorry, oh, yes. I just had to kill a bug. Um, let's give him the benefit of the doubt because it was like the end of a work day and he had been doing this and he was probably jaded. It was the new, it was the college years set. It wasn't like when he was in the throes of it. Yeah. And it's that's sort of like kind of in the middle of his career, you know, like he did so well with Saved by the Bell. It was kind of like, he was, I won't say he was foundering, but he was struggling more at that point. And now he's like, you know, America's host of everything. Well, that was, yeah, you're talking about Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez was always, was kind. I I never remember Mm -hmm. him not being nice, but I do think that Mark Paul Gosselaar was probably, my guess, and I could be wrong, but my guess is that at that point, you know, when he was doing college years, if he was, he was born, um, I want to see like, okay, he was born 1974. So in 1993, 1994, whatever, he was 20 years old. He was right. probably like so over Saved by the Bell and wanted to do something else, but knew he couldn't maybe get cast as easily on anything else. Like he was jaded. And now having been someone that's been on sets with so many people that have been working for so many years, like you get over it and you want to kind of take a new character on. You want to be someone new. Right. You know? And especially in this era, I think I think in the last 20 years, it's been easier for performers to kind of slide in and out of different roles it's kind of expected more as opposed to before. I was like, no, no, you do that thing. Mm. So you just keep doing the thing that you do and you don't do anything else. You know, yep. you, you know, you'd get a reputation for being, you know, like if you're Dustin Hoffman or whatever, you're like, Oh, you are a chameleon. Yep. So that's, that's your thing. But if you're not, then no, you are, you know, a, a single use celebrity. I think it's really, really hard for actors that get, you know, technically, I mean, he was a child star really. Cause if he was born 70, 
uh, 74, whatever, 70, whatever, he was in 1989 when it was cast, he was 15, 14, like he was a kid. And so, you know, he probably, I can't imagine what life was like because they were the, they were of the age where they would go to malls, like for mall appearances. Do you remember like those times, right? When people would, right. And so they would go to mall appearances and just people would not let them walk. You know, they were obsessive. These girls would scream and I just, it's got to be such a weird way to grow up because you start on such a high and then afterwards it's like, oh no, you're just Zach from Say by the Bell. Like you're no longer this actor that could potentially, like look at Mr. Belding. Like it was, it's a blessing and a curse to get on a show like that. Yeah. Now we have been going for almost 40 minutes and we I know, have sorry. not, we, no, it's okay, but we have not talked about the moment on the show. We, we, we have to talk about the, uh, the drug episode. Oh, yes. The one that's so still exploded. Yeah, this is the one that's been memed to death. I remember like Family Guy spoofed it. You know, like the, if you're going to see anything from this show, if you're not familiar with it, you've probably seen this clip. It, it's very funny to me because, you know, because the show has to keep everything so safe. They write this episode where uh, Jesse Spano gets addicted to caffeine pills for studying. They want to do a like a drug abuse episode. So they write it as if she's on heroin, um, but they they can't go that dark. So it's all caffeine pills. And there's this really just kind of fun tension about how serious they want it to be. And she has that memorable breakdown at the end of the episode where she, you know, you can, I'll let you go for it. Well, I will say it was also on one of the best episodes minus that meltdown. It still would have been the best episode because it was the same as long as I'm, and I'm pretty sure I have it correct. I pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was the same episode that she was she was just overwhelmed she was doing too much so she always had the best grades she always did really well in school but then she also was part of this like three the three girls were part of this like dance the that they were on the performance like what were they doing what was it for wasn't it, wasn't, I don't know it was probably a talent show or something they were going to do I'm so excited right the pointer sisters song yeah but then they also yes but then they ended up doing a whole other song at the end there was like two performances on that episode here's a message that i'm sending to you you can do what you want to do oh my god it was like it was such a good anytime there was a musical episode like the fans ate it up right so this was an episode where it was like a girl's dream right seeing these girls doing these dances and singing along with the songs but she got so overwhelmed and she was at Zach's house. Now, Jesse and Zach had a very, you know, brother-sister relationship. They leaned on each other. They never ro- were romantic until I think later. I do think there was an episode later on that there was a little like, do we like each other? But um, but she was like on crack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, Jesse, Jesse, it's going to be okay. And then she starts hugging. She starts singing, I'm so excited. And then she says it again. I'm so excited. And then she goes, I'm so Scared tonight? Come on. Wait, what am I gonna wear? Jesse, remember? Lisa's bringing your costume. Right. I gotta wash my hair. No, there's no time. No time. There's never any time. I don't have time to study. I'll never get into Stanford. I'll let everyone down. I'm so confused. Jesse, hey, hey, just calm down. It's okay. You're right. It's okay. Everything will be okay. Yeah. I just need one of these. Pills? You mean you really are taking drugs? I need them. Jesse, give me those. I need them, Zach. I have to sing. Jesse, you can't sing tonight. Yes, I can. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. 
Jesse, Jesse. <laughs> and she's holding the pills. I remember her long nails. And she's holding the pills in his, and like she's giving him a hug. And you see that her hands on his back and the pills, these red pills are just dropping from her hands. And I just remember like, you know, it, it was like so tragic. Like I've never, honestly, Oscar win, winning performance. Like what in the world? She really should have. Um, I mean, this was a moment in time. That's like that's like a Forrest Gump quotable part of a TV show. Like people will forever be saying, "I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so scared." Yeah, I mean, it is the moment from the show. Like I said, this is the one that gets memed. It's the one people remember. Uh, but I do want to give a lot of credit to Elizabeth Berkeley because she really goes all the way to ten in that moment. Fairly She's convincing. hardcore. Yeah, she she puts in the work at that moment. Um, do you remember like just the ridiculous drug prevention stuff that they were shoving towards us in those days? Oh, like there's no hope with dope. There was that never, one. Yeah, there was. And they had a whole episode on the show where they had to do like a, a PSA. A PSA. Yeah. And Brandon Tartikoff was on it. That's right. And I remember the the the, the climax of that was they found out that the celebrity who was supposed to be kind of the, the focus of this PSA they were doing was, of course, on drugs himself and trying to get the kids to do drugs. And so they ended up made their own PSA without him. Who was that celebrity? Now I want to know. Um, uh, yes, it was. Look, because here's the in interesting thing about um, there's no hope with dope. Okay. Yes. I can, I'll never forget that here. Yeah. The iconic Bayside drug commercial. And it was, it was so true. Remember they would go like stupid, dumb, 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 stupid, crazy, dangerous, stinks. <laughs> In one word, would I use dope? Nope. These kids are right. Drugs will hurt your mind, your body and your life. Hi, I'm Brandon Tartikoff, chairman of NBC Entertainment. And I've got a hit idea for the new fall season. Don't do drugs. There's no hope with dope. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. So, um... It was the 21st episode of season three. Okay, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure that out. So the thing about it was was I believe they knew their audience, right? Their audience were young teens. And it's understandable why they really use it was the first time, like it was essentially product placement for anti-drug drugs for Say by the Bell. But not one time in my life, I don't think that that show came up in my brain when I was presented the idea of doing drugs. Like, I don't think I was like, but Zach said there's no hope with dope. Oh, they put that stuff everywhere. I remember playing video games in an arcade. And before the game would start, like, like after you put in your quarter, before you could actually do anything, this screen would come up that was like, remember, kids, don't do drugs. And then you'd be a Ninja Turtle. But yeah, like, it, was and, very, and, it was jarring. I mean, how much do you remember... The eggs, the fried eggs, like this is your sure. brain. This is your brain on drugs. And, um, and like, uh, there's so many dare. I mean, dare, we grew up with dare, right? Mm -hmm. Drug abuse, resistance, education, which was great. Cause they showed you what were all of the best drugs were and told you where to get them. That was their way of telling you not to do it. it was they were like, go to the park and idea. look for a kid with a black hat. He's the one selling the drugs. Um, 
I, look, yeah. I was never really highly into drugs because I'm too anxious, but I was, a, I was a little bit of a pot smoker in college, high school and, you know, and beyond. But that was it because I, I have such high energy that I think I got scared if I ever did anything. But I just don't know if those worked. I yeah, just I'm a goody, I'm a goody two shoes. I wasn't going to do it anyway. Yeah, I um, think it's like if but, you're going to do it, you're going to do it. If you're not, you're not. That's it. But I'm, but I remember this, you know, officer coming to our class with a briefcase, and he'd open it up, and he's just like, "Now here's what this looks like, and here's what that looks like." Yes. And in my head, I'm thinking like, you're telling everybody exactly what to look for and where to get it if they want it. And now we're saying like, you know, just don't eat trick or treating candy because potentially you're going to get fentanyl poisoning. Oh, we had razor blades in our apples, right? When we went, we had razor blades in our apples. Sure. Um, I I really love kind of the the whole idea of what Saved by the Bell represents as a show because it is so, as you said, aspirational, right? This, this is the, the ideal high school experience we all wish we had Mm. instead of the, the the more breakfasty club one we actually got. Uh, Because I definitely remember going to high school and feeling like, oh, yeah, I might be having little adventures, you know, with my friends and stuff, but this is, you know, way more angsty than I was promised. Yeah, I think it just like, honestly, you would hear the music, the the theme music, and then you would hear that kind of like intro music. And then all of a sudden you would see Zach kind of just like come down the stairs and start talking. And he, he spent a lot of the episodes talking to the audience too, which I think is an interesting take. You did, maybe that's what you were saying earlier, that you felt like you were in on it with them rather than other shows where you were watching. Where that's he, a good point, yeah. Yeah, like he was talking to the audience. Yeah, breaking the fourth wall was definitely like, it also made Zach a little more like, almost like Bugs Bunny would do that. You know, there's a little bit of like, you know, hey, we're all in on this thing, right? Yeah, Uh, and everything would kind of like freeze. Yeah, he would literally freeze time, talk to you, and then cut. So weird. Yeah, and modern sitcoms would do this. I mean, it's basically what like the cutaways on The Office are in a way. Sure. They sort of would serve the same function. But like in a normal sitcom, like, Frazier never turns to the audience and goes like, oh, my, Niles. <laughs> you know, that, no, you know. no. I mean, that was an interesting choice, right? N- normally, there's like interviews. Yeah, you would have like um, voiceovers or narratives about certain things, but you wouldn't really necessarily have that kind of freezing the time, which is interesting. And it reminds me because that's so Raven, which was a Disney show. It was the first show I was ever a casting director on. And I was told, and I still have not done the research, so don't quote me on it, but I was told by a guy that worked in the set design department on That's So Raven, my show that I was on or worked on, that it was the same hallways and the same set from Saved by the Bell. Hmm. And it looks like it. It's flipped, but it looks exactly like it. Yeah, I, that stuff doesn't get thrown away. I feel like all of it goes. No, somewhere. you need a high school set. Like, here's ten lockers. So as we're kind of rounding down here, um, you know, this show has lasted, and not just because it's. I mean, yes, it, they won the syndication fight uh, to get there, but just because you get into the syndication doesn't mean it's going to air forever. Because maybe nobody cares to watch it, but it's still there, right? The, this show is, you know, as you said, the the new class lasted longer than the original show because this thing just endured and connected with people. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think it is about this show um, that has made it kind of stand the test of time, despite how sort of cheesy and locked into the early nineties it is? I think it like was a, um, it was like a unifier type show. Like boys liked it. Girls liked it. 
Um, I think it was a variety of ages. I didn't, I don't think like your older sister would think you were lame if you were watching it because it was high school. So like probably a variety of ages, there was a good span of ages that would, would be into it. But just like we were saying, like there was a character for everyone. There was a character for every single person. So if you were the kid that struggled, you know, and you didn't have a lot of money, maybe you were connecting with one character. If you did, if you were like the popular kid or into sports, you were, or the smart kid, you know? Um, and I just think like, it's just magic. It doesn't happen often. It really doesn't. It happened a lot more in the eighties and nineties though, that these sitcoms really took off. There was also not a lot of content, right? Think about it. When you were waking up at 11 years old on a Saturday morning, you didn't have your phone to go to. You didn't have TikTok to scroll. You didn't have Netflix. You had TV and there was only cartoons for really, really, really young kids. And this, I mean, that was it. So it grabbed, yeah. it really grabbed it. it. The numbers were probably huge. Yeah. I, I think that kind of the way content has been dispersed mm -hmm. and democratized over the last few years, um, there's upsides to that, but it has we used to have much more of like what I would call a monoculture, right? There was mm. a handful of like discrete pipelines for, you know, entertainment, whether it was music or TV or movies and stuff. So everyone else was kind of watching the same things you were and whatever was on was on. And exactly. I tried to sort of, you know, my kids have no concept of that because, you know, they, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, we, I w got in the car with them yesterday and I turned on FM radio and whatever was playing was playing. It wasn't, they were like, I, yeah, it wasn't like, here's what I'm playing choosing to play off of the 20,000 tracks that are on my phone. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, and I've tried to get them to understand, like, you know, even they're like, why aren't you skipping the commercials? And it's like, I can't, this is what's live. This is what's actually happening. It's right very now. confusing to them. And I couldn't imagine going backwards. Like I couldn't imagine being their age and, and realizing there was a time that there wasn't like it, it's even for me watching live TV is hard, right? We're so used to just getting to instant. Oh, yeah. If there's something live we want to watch, we might just like wait 15 minutes to start it and just so you can get past yes. the commercial. It's yep, like, why are we absolutely. wasting our time with these commercials? Absolutely. It's interesting. And, you know, and I think, you know, for kids, like I wonder, you know, the kids, though, have a much more like everybody's got to be on the same page. We all want to be part of the group. So if there is a show or a thing that they're watching, like they're, they're going to come home and be like, I want to watch the thing that so-and-so said she was watching. Yeah, but you know, you know what's different? Do. Like, and I don't know how old your kids are, but Wednesday. How old? Four. Uh, my four and son seven. Just turned okay. four today and, yeah, almost seven. Oh, nice. So, so they're a little bit younger. I have a seven and 10 year old. My 10 year old mm -hmm. was obsessed with Wednesday when it came out, right? All of his fourth, mm -hmm. fifth grade friends were watching Wednesday. This is the difference. It's like eight episodes or whatever. You watch it all within, you know, two days and then you're obsessed with it. Like he still loves it and he's wearing one of the costumes that the guy has for his Purim or whatever. He's obsessed with it. But at the same time, it's not what Say by the Bell or shows like that used to be where literally it felt like it was on every single week. And the if you wanted to watch it, you had to be in front of your TV at the same time at the same. It's like I would come to school every single Thursday. And we would talk about Wednesday's night, Wednesday nights, Beverly Hills 90210. And if you didn't watch Beverly Hills 90210 that night, you either needed a VHS and pressed record on it, or you just missed it forever. Like that was it. There was no reruns. Yeah. And on the, the uh, kind of a, the, a related note, if you were at your friend's house and were like, I don't know, let's watch TV. What's on? Well, it's whatever is what's on right now. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's because Saved by the Bell was being rerun so much, that was often an option. And it was always like, yeah, okay, well, that's good. Sure. Saved by the Bell is really good. 
yeah, it's really good comfort TV. Like if Stay by the Bell is ever on, which I'm not seeing it that often, but I'm sure I could find it if I looked for it, but I'm not on like, I'm usually watching streaming TV. So I pick what I want to watch and I'm not like on the guide often, Mm -hmm. but if I was, and I saw Stay by the Bell, Stay by the Bell reminds me a little bit of like background noise. Like it's good to have in the background. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel safe, but you don't have to pay attention, but you know exactly what's happening, but it's good while you have to do your, you know, emails, that kind of yeah. a show. It's funny. Like it's, it's kind of comforting. It's funny. Like people used to criticize TV so much for being, for being that, right. It was like, oh, it's, I turn off my brain. It's here to just, you know, anesthetize me to life. Um, and I think most modern shows, comedies or dramas are not that now. It's like, no, you better be keyed in because we've got all sorts of crazy stuff going on and serialized storytelling and there's, you know, background stuff you better be, you know, catching while it's happening. Uh, and, and TV for the most part is not this. Yeah. Anymore. No, um, but there really is not. a, pl- there is a place for it. And, and there is, you know, I, I think this show did it so well compared to so many others. Like there's a reason why you and I are talking about this show today and not, you know, a lot of other stuff that just, you know, is forgotten. Under the radar. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Who knows? Who knows? But you know, our kids are watching like my seven-year-old's obsessed with Henry Danger. So he'll watch a sitcom. He loves a sitcom, but a show like Henry Danger is so much more loud and so much more, you know, physical and so much more like quick takes and bright than Say by the Bell was. Like, I, I am actually curious. I'm sure Say by the Bell airs somewhere on Hulu or whatever. I'm actually curious if I sat down my seven and 10-year-old tonight and said, can you watch an episode of this with me? Let's see. I'm going to try it. I'm going to see if they, like, I feel like five minutes yeah. in, the seven-year-old's going to be like, where's my iPad? Yes, that that is what will happen because they very much want to watch what they want to watch. And they want to touch. And it's, yeah, but it's also like, they bristle just at almost anything I try to like shove down their throats. Even if it's good, they're going to be, they're going to resist. So Sometimes I have to you get a winner like, though. We watched Forrest yeah. Gump the other day, which is like a little inappropriate, but the seven-year-old, it went right over his head and the 10-year-old understood that it was like a little inappropriate, but was cool enough to be like, we're good. Don't worry about it. We watched half of it. But, I mean, it was late. We had to turn it off because it's a long movie, but I was really surprised. Forrest Gump is like, um, I watched that when I was 13. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, something's going on with my son because I'll show him some of this old stuff. And like, there's always those like BuzzFeed lists of like the, the stuff that scared you at scarred you as a kid. And when he watches those things, those are the parts he likes best. So it's just like, oh, I like Willy Wonka. I want to watch the boat ride. I like the princess bride. I want to see the part with the giant rats. Like that's what he likes. And it's like, those are the things that most kids would want to skip past because they're too scary. He's like, yeah. That, he's he's into me. it. Maybe he'll be a horror yeah. movie film director. I hope so. He's really cute. So we'll <laughs> see if he turns out to, to follow that path. Cool. Um, well, Donna, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, any any uh, closing thoughts on uh, Say by the Bell before we uh, we call it a, a day? Did you know where the term Say by the Bell came from? I found this out on Twitter. I did not. You mean obviously before the show, but yeah. Where Way before from? the show. So this is so interesting, but years and years and years, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and I can't remember the era, people were worried that they were getting, I think it was like during like the plague or something, that they were going to get buried alive because people were like in such deep comas and they couldn't test that they were like fully 100% dead. So they would put bells in their coffins. And if they woke up and they were still alive in their coffin, they had a bell. So they were saved by the bell. 
That's interesting. I knew about the thing with the bells and the graves um, that actually appears in uh, HBO's Westworld. If you they go to like the scenes that take place at graveyards and you can see there's like a little bell that's right by the like the cross above the grave. It's like, that's weird. What's that for? And yeah, exactly. If someone was buried alive, they could call for help. I know. It's so, trippy. Saved by the Bell. Yeah. So there you go. That is Saved by the <laughs> Bell. Um, Donna, anything you want to plug before we uh, before we sign off? Well, if you're into pop culture, I don't talk so – I do – I've talked about Say by the Bell. I think I've talked about 90s Disney TV, which I think is like always fun, Mickey Mouse Club and Kids Incorporated. But I talk about like current pop culture things, celebrity gossip. I have a um, a daily podcast called Daily Dose of Donna. And I also um, help entrepreneurs show up on video and create content if you're into that kind of thing. Cool. And uh, what's, uh, again, the name of your podcast and where they can find you online? Daily Dose of Donna, D-A-N-A. That's my daily podcast. And then on Instagram, I'm at This Is Donna Bowling. Great. Now, if if you like this podcast, you can go online, drop it a a review, uh, a like, a rate, subscribe. You've heard a podcast before and you've heard somebody tell you to do this. So do it. Uh, And if you haven't done it yet, you're stealing from me. No, um, so please do that. Uh, If you you want to talk to us, send us messages. You can go on Twitter. We're at Nostalgia Pod. You can also find us on Instagram there. If you have thoughts on this episode, our last few, which were off the top of my head here, we've got, uh, we did Mysterious Cities of Gold last week. Um, And coming up next, I'm recording a bunch at once. So whichever one I finish editing first, um, but we've got, uh, we're doing this. So we've got this, we've got DuckTales coming up. We're doing one on uh, Masters of the Universe, the Dolph Lundgren movie, not the cartoon, uh, and uh, my so-called life. And after that, uh, hopefully we'll be able to do one on Rugrats. So lots of fun stuff. Yeah, lots of fun stuff coming down the pike. So thanks again, Donna, for joining us. This was so much fun. Of course. Such a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Until next time, that is one more entry in the Nostalgia Arcana. Of course, we will conclude our evening with a questionnaire invented by the great Bernard people of a poster free that we won't think it will. Oh, boy. What is your favorite word?